Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast where it is my job to help you prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And today's guest is Dr. Juli La Roca. And Dr. Juli is actually a dear friend of mine and she has helped me tremendously on my journey. So I'm super excited to share this interview with you today. But as just a little bit of a bio of what Juli does, Juli helps high-level entrepreneurs uncover and overcome invisible barriers to achieve effortlessness and velocity in their lives. She's a firm believer that the fastest way to level up in life and in business is to dissolve the barriers within yourself, which is why she founded Velocity Healing, helping the world's impact-driven entrepreneurs to take their life to the next level so that they can focus on solving the world's greatest problems. She discovered a rapid method for seeing barriers, breaking through beliefs, and aligning and integrating with truth. So instead of needing to release or let go of the things that are hurting you, she learned how to befriend it all and make everything serve you. So in this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things. Takeaway number one, how Huli spent 13 years to become a doctor and she was at a point where she was working 100 hour weeks as a resident and was actually contemplating suicide and how she went from that to finding happiness and making the crazy decision to actually leave Western medicine altogether and start her own business. Another huge takeaway is how you, yes, you can turn your pain into power. If you're listening to this right now and you're a human, which I know you are, unless there's some aliens listening right now, which I guess that could be very possible. (laughs) You've had some negative things happen in your life. And maybe it was the loss of someone you love, something that happened to you in your childhood, a failure. So what Huli really helps people do is how do you turn that experience into a powerful force for good? And we'll dive into that in today's episode. And the last thing I really, really want you to listen for is why money isn't actually what you think it is and how it's something much more powerful than what you think. We dive into so much more than that and Huli really brings the fire. We both get really vulnerable and real in this episode. So please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Dr. Huli La Roca. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. All right, cool. Well, Huli, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited to have you here. I know you're going to share lots of insights and help people to break through to new levels because I know from working with you personally that you've just really helped uncover so many roadblocks and helped me move in a direction that is much more effective and much more powerful. So where I want to start, though, was your story. And I, I know uh, you've had, you have an incredible background, but what I thought would be interesting to start with was the story about when you found out you were pregnant and what your life was like and what was going on at that point in your life. Yeah. So basically I spent my whole life thinking that I wanted to be a doctor, thinking that I wanted this social prestige and to really climb the the ladder financially and socially. And uh, the journey has really taken me quite far from that. But the moment that I found out I was pregnant was, I was, I think, 26 years old. I was in the middle of residency, I had just started my intern year, which is the most intense year. If you've ever seen, you know, Grey's Anatomy or shows like that, you'll, you'll know. And it was a moment that really changed my life. At that point in time, I had moved away from my family. I was living out in Los Angeles. I was in a relationship that was not healthy at all, even to the point you could call abusive emotionally and financially and psychologically. And, um, I spent the year pretty intensely depressed and anxious and just in a terrible place from the moment that pretty much I was in my residency until about about six months to a year after my daughter was born. And really, it was just a, a low point in my life where I realized that I couldn't get out of bed anymore. I was so anxious, I couldn't even take care of my daughter. I would just do the bare minimum, get her to daycare, go to work, you know, at six, seven in the morning, come home six, seven at night, try and be with my child. I could barely take care of myself, barely take care of her and, uh, essentially didn't want to live anymore. And I had been very familiar with this dark place. And here I was again, 
with seemingly everything that I thought I wanted and yet so depressed and so just in a terrible spot. So I um, just made a, made a decision and I made a choice and I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to change my life. And so I did. And from then on, I really made a commitment to myself, to putting myself first, to being selfish in the good way and taking care of myself first before I take care of others. So I changed my life around. I started getting into mindfulness. I started going to therapy. I started really looking into myself and my issues and what it was that was keeping me into this dark place. Because I, yes, sure, we can blame it on everything around us, but really it's always internal. And from there on, everything's just started getting better. And the more that I've been looking into myself and looking into my issues and what's holding me back from myself and my fullest potential, the better my life has gotten. From there, I ended up graduating residency, did really well in the last couple of years. I started a couple of businesses, one which was Unbreakable Moms, uh, it was just basically an online support community for single mothers. And then I started my own medical practice with integrative medicine. And that's been a long, nice, fun road to what I'm doing now in my current venture, which is called Velocity Healing, helping entrepreneurs and high performers really next reach the next level within themselves and therefore in their life and in their business. Awesome. Well, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that moment in your life. And it's been incredible to be, you know, a part of your journey, at least for a few parts of these. I've known, I've known Huli for probably about, what has it been? Two, two years now, almost mm -hmm. maybe even a little bit longer than that. And it's been, it's been incredible seeing all the things that Huli has done, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the part where you were able to really turn things around. Cause I know that you've studied so many different approaches to uh, health to uh, getting really to the next level and breaking out the the unconscious clutter that's holding us back. So when you say you really kind of just started more focusing on yourself, what specifically did that look like? Initially, it looked like going on this website called happify.com. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. And I had seen a video clip from this website and it was just it called to me. I said, okay, cool. Let me check this out. And it started with some very basic things, just simple mindfulness practices. And then into more journaling, I discovered journaling and just very, very basic stuff. Some other CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. And just, I did that every night and I would literally stay up sometimes for hours. I didn't care if I had to wake up at four or five in the morning. I refused to go to sleep until I felt that I was in a good mental state. So I just went through that entire website, did everything that I could uh, to feel good. And then eventually what that looked like was getting, getting me into um, personal development books, and then eventually into more deep into mind-body work, which is really what I do now. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing that I want to kind of discuss that would be kind of interesting to go dive into is that you're, you're, so you're board certified in family medicine. And the stuff, the work that you do today, I guess I wouldn't consider it to be specifically board cert, like the, the work that you did there. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what was that like to kind of make that transition? Did, did, did your parents kind of be like, you know, you were doing this thing, but now you're doing this thing. Tell us a little bit about that and making that jump. That was hard. That was really, really difficult. Uh, but I think when your soul calls you to something, it's, it's hard not to do it. Sure. And yeah, everybody keeps, kept telling me, you know, you've gone to school for 13 years, you've done this your whole life, and now you're just going to give that up and go do this other woo-woo thing. Uh, but for the most part, you know, everyone was really supportive. What was the most challenging was for me to make the decision and to take really take the leap into what I knew, what I'm that I'm supposed to be doing, that I in the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. And honestly, COVID was a nice little forcer into that. Because before that, I was still trying to balance really growing my medical practice while doing the mind-body therapy and healing and trauma release work and not fully allowing myself to dive in only into the mind-body healing. And here comes COVID. And you'd think that as a family physician, I would have a ton more work. Uh, but actually, a lot of the clinics that I had been working in closed and they went all virtual and they said, you know, we don't need you. People were scared to go to the, the doctor at that time. Nobody wanted to leave their houses. So actually business went down 
for me personally. And here on the other side, the mind body stuff that started to go up because everybody starts showing up with all their mental illnesses, you know, anxiety and depression, their PTSD, and just all of the stuff of being alone and having to sit with themselves. So that was the catalyst that really made me have to look at and say, okay, the universe is clearly showing me which way to go. This is where I want to go. It's terrifying. It means leaving behind something that I've been doing my entire life. And I just went for it. I, I just knew that that eventually I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. And I'll tell you a story around that too. I was, um, I can do telemedicine work, right? Like it's it's easy for me to hop on. I'm contracted with lots of different places that you can go online and you can visit with the doctor. It's like a ten minute thing. It's quick and easy. And all I'd had to do to really kind of pay my expenses and the basic stuff was work maybe an hour or two a day. And I swear to you, Brandon, I could not do it. Mm. As much as I tried, I could not make myself get on those calls. And I would lay in bed all day and I would try and force myself to do this thing that I could no longer do. And that was also a big wake up moment for me saying, I can't even do an hour of this work of Western medicine anymore. So that was very, very telling. That's, I love that you're just such a shining example of somebody that just takes action and dives into something. Cause I feel like there's so many people out there that are doing things that they know is not in alignment with where they want to go, but they still continue to do it. And that's actually an interesting thing I wanted to dive into is because your company is called Velocity Healing. And I'm grateful because I know you and I had a conversation about, uh, I think I made some comment that actually came from Jules was like Velocity or alignment equals velocity. And, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of latched onto that and that's kind of part of the name of your company right now. And, you know, when you are in alignment with where you want to go, you just have so much more flow. And I know you have this analogy of the sailboat versus the rowboat, if I remember correctly. So if you can kind of maybe share what that means, because I feel like that's directly related to, you know, you trying to resist, you know, this path that you were supposed to be on versus going and actually being in alignment with where you're heading right now. Yeah. And thank you for the velocity alignment equals velocity that deeply resonated with me. And you're right. I absolutely ran with that. Where that metaphor comes from is Alan Watts in describing a principle in Taoism called Wu Wei, which is translated into English more or less as not forcing a really effortless action. And it's the difference between being in a sailboat where you're gliding effortlessly with the wind carrying you, the natural forces of the wind versus being in a rowboat. You're putting in tons of effort to not move nearly as fast as the, as the sailboat. And yes, it's lovely for all of us to be in alignment and do what we want, but really at the heart of effortless action is not necessarily doing what we want, but actually doing what is what is right and what is true for us and how do i how do i begin to describe this it's it's the pull with the natural flow of life with the natural current of where our hearts our souls whatever our spirits whatever you want to call it is pulling us and sometimes that's actually very different than what we really we we think we want because what we want with the desires all of that is really of the mind when of the soul, of the heart, spirit, of the universe, the calling, the, the, the current, the flow can be something much different. It's something much greater. It is something much more beyond us. And is when we are in the alignment with that, whatever that is, whatever name you want to put to it, it's effortless. You glide, you move easily. You are the sailboat instead of the rowboat. So if somebody's listening to this right now and they maybe feel like they're not growing as fast as they could be, or maybe they're not in the position they want to be, or their business isn't where they're at right now, what would you kind of say to them? Does that, does that, is that an indicator that they're not in true alignment with where they could be and they just need like a slight adjustment or how, how would you go about supporting somebody that feels like they're kind of in a rowboat situation? Is it that they're not in alignment? It's possible. Yes it's possible that there's something blocking them 
from being in alignment, yes, with something greater than themselves, but also with themselves. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Our external world is just a reflection of our internal world, of our internal environment. So when there's we've reached a plateau or when we're not happy or when we're not where we want to be or frustrated or angry, it has nothing to do with our external environment as much as we want to blame it on our surroundings. It has everything to do with something internal. So either you're not in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing or what you're called to do, or you're not in alignment with yourself. There's a barrier within you that you're not seeing and not able or not able to get past. So starting by looking and observing yourself and seeing, well, if this is making me angry, if this is making me frustrated, if this is causing a disturbance on the within me from my environment, well, what is it about me? that is projecting that out into the world. Mm. So how would you recommend that? I mean, I, I guess you, 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 you just suggested right there that we kind of do some internal reflection, but like, how do you specifically look and how do you observe? I know you have some processes and methods that you walk your clients through to go throughout this process, but for somebody that's looking for something very concrete, concrete, besides just saying, okay, I'm going to go journal a little bit. How would you kind of recommend that they go deeper? Cause you have this uncanny ability of being able to help people do that really quickly. That's a difficult question because there's so much there, but I appreciate this question. And I don't know that I have a very specific answer for you because how you're asking, how do you observe Mm. really is what you're asking. How do you observe? There's so many ways. Observe your thoughts. Number one, observe how you speak to yourself. I think that's a big one right there. But okay, I'll give you one answer. If you can, if we can do one concrete thing, observe your judgments of other people. Mm. Okay. If that's one thing you take away from this, what are you judging about someone else? Was what is in that judgment is actually non-acceptance of something within you or on the contrary, what are you judging about yourself? And in that judgment is something you're not accepting within yourself. And that within that is the barrier right there. That's so powerful because <laughs> I feel like it's so easy to blame other people or get frustrated with other people when oftentimes it's actually something that's going on inside of you that is that is being reflected on. I was just I just had another podcast interview with someone earlier today, and we were talking about this exact topic that how we view the world is less about what is actually going on in the world and more about the lens that we are currently wearing that causes our perception of reality. So that's incredibly powerful um, yeah, to be able absolutely. to observe your judgments. And the other thing, I, I mean, I would say that you've taught me too is your emotions, that your emotions mm-hmm. typically almost manifest in different parts of your body mm-hmm. and being able to understand that. So maybe do you want to talk about that a little bit more too on how you can maybe observe your emotions and how to leverage that to, to help you get more velocity and healing in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And before I go into that, I'd love to give an example about, you know, kind of the, the judgments and how, how what we perceive outside of us is really just something, uh, a disturbance, a trigger within us, mm. um, just to make it like really concrete. So I'll give a personal example, and this is very vulnerable, but I'm going to go there. All right. So my partner always tells me like, you, why are you always making things about yourself? (laughs) And I hate when he says that. And so I would tell him, don't say that you're wrong. Don't say that. Like you can't say that and you have to change. And I'm judging him for saying that hurtful thing when really it's actually true, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like it's true sometimes, not all the time. Right. But it's true. And that's why my resistance was there. And that's why I told him, I need you to change instead of within me looking at that and the truth that is there. So that's just one example. Um, but going into the emotions, yeah, that that's just emotions are just disturbances, right? Emotions is anything that's not a state of peace and love and acceptance. And Our emotions show us what we need to look at. Mm -hmm. Any irritation, any sadness, grief, depression, angst, 
wh- whatever, uh, hurt, pain, is always an opportunity to look deeper within. Just like when he says, hey, you make everything about yourself and I'm hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Well, what about that is making me hurt? And so in, in looking at our emotions, we can actually see them, be with them, understand them, speak to them, look into them and find deeper issues that it really just comes down to non-acceptance of who we are. Yeah. Do you feel like that's a really common source of lots of problems in relationships is really not the relationship, but rather like people's internal work? Oh, it's, yeah, of course it's everything <laughs> that, that is, that is literally all, all the source of all problems because how do the only way to observe ourselves is by relating to others. Like I can't observe myself if I'm just being still and isolating myself completely and never talking to anybody. How will I learn about myself if I'm not relating to others? And especially in relationships, whether it's romantic or especially with our families, right? That is when we are most ourselves. That is when our truest selves come out. And that is when all the conflict is there as well, because now I'm seeing how I'm relating to someone else. And what is this other person triggering within me that I need to look at and then I need to accept? Yeah. That's tough because then, because then, then, then we have to take responsibility, Huli. <laughs> that's hard. That's hard for so many people. And that was, thank you for sharing that vulnerability. Yeah. Cause yeah, I can see somebody making a comment like that about the way I do things and, and me getting riled up about it. But it's just like, Hey, like there's probably something there that you need to look into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know we've been maybe a little bit dancing around the subject, but there's a specific process that you've helped walk me through. And this may be a little bit difficult to do on a podcast format, just because you walk people through it one-on-one, but would you mind sharing your C method with people and what that is? Cause I feel like that's directly related to what we've been talking about as far as how to integrate these emotions or judgments that are coming up inside of us into our lives. Absolutely. So the C method is really, I don't know that it's necessarily mine. Um, I can't call it mine. It's just a different framework for a lot of the the work that's already been done literally for millennia. But C, like the C of life, S-E-A, stands for seeing, S is for seeing, E is for empowering, and A is for appreciating with your emotions. So when, um, like, uh, I kind of just try to do it right now, literally live within myself because I'm feeling something in myself. So I feel an emotion right now. I feel a little bit of pain in my chest and I'm seeing it is the S, right? So I'm kind of feeling into it. I feel the qualities of it. It's a little sharp. It kind of hurts. I can tell that it's just pain, like a hurt, like I'm hurt by something. Um, The E is to empower it, is to give it a voice, to see if it will speak in some way. And this is where there's a lot of nuance there. Some people will see things, will be shown images. Some people will hear words. Some people will be shown memories. Um, In my case, I usually hear things from this place right here. And it's a little hard, but in working together, we, you know, get really good at this. So let's see, what does it say? It says, I'm hurting because I feel unloved. Okay. That's what's my emotions. Super vulnerable. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Um, and so I would listen to it more now in this case, empower, I'm empowering it to speak and seeing what else is there feeling unloved. Okay. Because you know, I don't want to get into the details. So-and-so did this to me and blah, blah, blah. And now the A is really to appreciate it. So I'm feeling into it and I'm saying, okay, thank you for being here. Thank you for showing me this. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I understand it makes sense that you feel unloved because of these actions. And now the last part is for me to really speak my truth to this emotion. And I tell this truth, right? And this emotion now, but the truth is I am loved and -and so-and-so person does love me and I love myself, which is the most important thing. And so I take a nice deep breath 
and it's passed. That's the C method. It's a demonstration of it right there. Wow. That's so powerful. So I'm going to ask a really dumb question. Okay. Um, so I'm standing right now. I just got a standing desk and my lower back is hurting. And it's like, it's it, it probably because I just, I haven't been doing standing work for a while. So how do you differentiate between just like, okay, I was working out and my chest is sore or my lower back is sore because I'm standing. And like, that's, that's what I'm, I'm noticing right now. How do you differentiate between that and something that actually has meaning behind it? A physical pain and an emotional pain? Mm, yes. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Such a good question. I don't know how to have a great nice little answer for you. Emotional pain will usually intensify when you look at it. Mm. Physical pain, if you focus on it enough and try to diminish it, will actually get lighter. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah. So you can you can actually, the mind is so powerful, right? Like you can actually focus on your physical pain and imagining it getting smaller and you can completely eliminate your pain. At least even if it's for a couple seconds, you can make it go away. But if you're focusing on emotional pain, it will actually get stronger. So that's how I am able to tell the difference. Wow. Okay. That, that was very, very insightful for me to understand. And so thank you. Thank you again for sharing that being just vulnerable, just doing that live. That was really cool. So the thing that you just uncovered there, um, I feel like, you know, you do the C method enough and you've taught this to me. So like, there are some things that'll come up where it's like, okay, this is kind of my emotional state of being right now, Mm -hmm. but sometimes, and you've worked with me on this, like sometimes big things come up. And one of the things that you are so good at is, things that have maybe previously been trauma in your past or things that have been negative experiences, you have a way of helping people to integrate those negative experiences and turn them into very powerful assets. So if somebody comes up with something and maybe, maybe, maybe if you're listening to this right now, you have a negative experience that's been holding you back, maybe something in your childhood, something that's happened recently. So somebody that has that going on right now, how can we begin to take those negative experiences and actually integrate it into an opportunity that gives us more power? Yeah, such a great question. And this is what I tell my clients all the time. Make everything for you. You hear that you, you hear this repeated, right? Everything is for you. It's it's happening for you. It's it's not happening to you. Well, make it so. Make it so. If you have fear within you, if and that fear is telling you, don't take the leap or don't follow your dream. Well, how do we actually make that for us? We appreciate the fear. Fear is necessary. Fear keeps us safe. Fear, what would you be without it? You'd probably be dead. Fear is is important. It makes sure that, okay, if we are going to take the leap, then we're going to have all our ducks in a row. We're going to make sure that everything's happening that needs to be happening, right? Um, And when it comes to experiences and trauma specifically, can you see how the experience was actually for your growth and for you to gain an experience that actually made you who you are today? Mm -hmm. I know for many people, they feel like their trauma is the worst thing that ever happened like a, some sort of abuse. And well, for me is the best thing that ever happened. I got to experience this thing that made me so much stronger. And that also makes me empathize with other people who have gone through the same thing and thus being able to relate to others better and thus accept others and thus accept myself. Mm-hmm. And those are just some examples, but if it, it if you just take a moment to say, okay, what is my truth in this? What did I get out of this? How did this make me a better person? How did this make me better off? You will find it. There's always a silver lining. It's just a matter of looking for it. You know, I was kind of scared to interview Huli because, because Huli uh, helped uncover something and I wasn't planning on sharing this, but you know, since Huli has been so vulnerable, but uh, so I guess here comes out of my, my podcast. But one of the things that, that came up when I was working with Huli is that I had some sexual trauma when I was about six years old. 
and it was something that I had suppressed for forever. And like, uh, Huli was one of the first people that I talked to that helped me integrate this, but that's exactly what Huli did is she made me realize that there were many positive things that came out of this. And that if you simply ask yourself the question, how did this make you better? It was actually a very positive formative, you know, positive formative experience for me in my, in, in how I've developed as a person because of my reaction of that thing. So I don't know, Huli, is there anything that you want to touch on if somebody is scared to maybe go in this place? It was something that I had suppressed so much. So if somebody has an experience like that, you know, it's tough to even think about. So where do you even start mm-hmm. to begin to actually integrate this and turn it into something that's more powerful for you? Yeah, I would say definitely that it's never as bad as we perceive yeah. to actually look at these things. Mm-hmm. Like, like we, we perceive that looking and sitting with ourselves and having the difficult conversations is going to be this horrendous thing that's going to happen and we're going to die and it's just going to be horrific. Right. And we have all these stories and all these fears around it. It's like when you have to you know, go to the doctor and have like a small procedure done or a shot you think it's going to be so bad and then it happens and you're just like, Oh, that, that wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Like there's that beautiful Seneca quote. We suffer much more in imagination and in reality. And so just knowing that, you know, like think of all the, the times when you had to have a hard conversation, when you had to do something that, you know, you were dreading and was it really as bad as you imagined it to be? Most of the time it's not. And so just, just knowing that can give us some peace and some solace and some courage to actually be able to look at the, the deeper wounds within us. Um, as far as what was, what was the second part of your question? Like, how do we, how do we begin to, to really look at that? Yeah, I think that was it. I actually, I didn't write it down. It just kind of came out. So, but I think that was it. And simply being able to ask yourself, what was the positive thing that came from the situation mm-hmm. and how to integrate that into your life? Yeah. Yeah. So how do we begin to look at it? I mean, you just kind of look at it, (laughs) you see it, you see it and you allow yourself to feel it. That is the, the key to all of this is because everything that, that we have not worked through are things that are just repressed within us. And what it means to repress is not to express And in looking at things, we need to express what is there, what is real, what is raw, and it's not wrong. Like that's the other piece of this is we think we make it all wrong. We make our emotions wrong. We make it wrong to be angry. We make it wrong to hate. We make it wrong to want to, you know, to have violence within us, to want to hurt others just the want, right? Not actually doing it, but even just the desire to. So don't make your emotions wrong. Don't make yourself wrong in allowing these emotions and these thoughts to express themselves. I mean, it's gotten to the point where people even police their own minds, mm-hmm. don't even allow themselves to have an angry thought, right? Like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't be angry about this. Like, well, you're angry and now you're just repressing it. And that's just getting stuck in your body and showing up as physical pain mm. instead of just expressing it and allowing it to be there. So when it comes to looking at deeper wounds and deeper issues and you know traumatic memories and whatnot, feel your feelings. Or like I tell my clients, feel your feelers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel your feelings, express them and allow them to fully be. And you can use the C method, um, you know, being still with it, empowering it, um, and uh, appreciating it to help navigate in that. But ultimately you just have to look at it and, and fully, fully experience and, and allow it to be. That's so powerful. And again, I, I think I, I've said this several times, but I guess it's, it's partly intentional on my part, but I think that once you uncover these things, they become a source of power for you. They become an asset for you, not a liability like you may be perceiving it. So maybe it wasn't a big thing. Maybe you didn't have a big thing if you're listening to this, but maybe you were bullied as a kid, or maybe you had some, everybody had something where like you were rejected by friends growing up or something, or, you know, a relationship issue. There's, there's always something there. It's part of the human experience. You can't get out of it unscathed. <laughs> and, and, and having a tool like what Huli teaches is just something that's incredibly powerful to us to kind of ascend to the next level at all times. So um, Huli, another thing I wanted to ask you about is that you work with some really high level entrepreneurs and you know you, you kind of help coach them through this process and uncovering things. So the, the, for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now, 
what are the, some of, some of the biggest commonalities that you see holding high level entrepreneurs back that really once freed, allow them to just break through? Commonalities within entrepreneurs are, is usually a need to prove themselves. Hmm. Number one. Um, and they're trying to prove it to the world, but really they're trying to prove it to themselves. Um, and also a need to help everybody else when really what they're missing is being able to help themselves, right? They want to be there for everybody else. They want to have massive impacts. They want to do all these things and help the world and save everybody and love all things. And they're missing that within themselves. And so you cannot reach, you will always be blocked by that internal barrier on the external right? Like you will never reach the next, the next level within the business or whatever you're trying to achieve. If within yourself, you're not loving yourself and accepting yourself fully and giving to yourself what you're trying to give to everybody else. Yeah. This has come up in the most recent recording I just did with another podcast episode today, but it's so true in our lives and in our businesses that whatever we have in our current reality is an external manifestation of what is going on internally. So I'm thinking that's going to be a common theme that we're going to hear on this podcast as we dive into subjects that, like this. It's usually hitting the next level, which Huli really helps people do. Entrepreneurs are super easy to go and look for the sexy strategy or the big partnership or the, you know, that's really what it's going to be the next level. But like another person in, in a, a community that Huli and I are part of is a, a Blair Dunkley and he helps profile super, like he's, he works with billionaires and like it's always the next level is a, another level of clarity. It's another level of thinking and it's another level of acceptance and understanding of what is going on in your own brain that will really help you to move forward. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I love that this message is getting repeated over and over again, and I hope it gets repeated and shouted even, even more. Um, and really what all of that comes down to is, can you accept yourself fully? Mm -hmm. And if you don't even know yourself, if you're not observing yourself, how, how can you accept what is there to accept if you're not seeing what, what is there or not? Um, and so I, I really, I really believe that observing yourself and seeing within yourself is the key to, to freedom because then I can, I can see all the dark parts of myself. I can see all the good parts of myself and sure seeing is the first step, but then what do I choose? What do I choose? If I see myself as a selfish person or an arrogant or whatever, self-centered, well then, all right, I see it. I can accept it. I can now accept it in other people. And so I'm not in disturbance with other people who are that way. But now also, how do I want to be? How do I get to show up tomorrow? How do I choose to show up now? Yeah, that's so powerful. Um, Another, uh, this may be kind of like a rough transition here, but another thing I noticed uh, when, when we were talking earlier, and actually this comes from your bio and it says, I've been obsessed my entire life helping people feel better and quickly. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious because we've been talking a lot about, you know, uncovering things in our past and integrating them. Where do you feel like that came from that desire to really help people feel better and quickly? Yeah, I think I'm an imp- impatient person. <laughs> naturally, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my friends call me a catalyst. Like I just boom, I go. Like I do not like wasting time. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it probably comes inherently within me. But also, I think it's important to question everything. And the idea that healing or that things take time to heal. You know, oh, what what do we hear all the time? Right, like. Oh, how do you get over someone? Oh, just give it time. Just give it time. Yep. Just give it time. Well, is that something that we've just heard over and over again and, and have just believed to be true? Or is that really true or what? And so I think if you begin to inquire and ask the question, does it really take time? Or is there a faster way to do this? Or is there a more efficient way, a better way uh, to really dive in and get it done? So that's that's what I did because, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to be my best self. I want to be the fullest expression of myself yesterday, right? right. Like there's the fire in me. And so how do I go about doing that? And how do I go about helping other people do that? 
And so, yeah, it's really come from just uh, impatience <laughs> within me and like needing to go, go, go very forward, very future thinking, which is also a little bit of a burden sometimes because um, patience is very much a virtue. But at the same time, it's been really great in discovering these methods and discovering the velocity that can happen when you really fully just go into it and you just look at it instead of running from it. Is that's instead of giving it time and then waiting for something to force you to look at it, why not just sit with it? Why not just be with it? Why not just look at it right now? And so you can move on and move to the next level and be the fullest and best and most expressed version of yourself. So to somebody listening to this right now, that's like, okay, I truly believe it does need time. You know, like I, I, I need time. Like, what would you say to them? Cause like you've worked with so many people to help them heal fast. So like, like based on your experience, what would you say to somebody that has that mindset that really doesn't believe that you can heal at the levels that you're talking about? If you think you can, or you think you can, you're probably, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I, I would challenge, I would just have them inquire, you know, I would challenge what, what it is that, that is keeping them in that mindset and ask them, well, where does that come from? What examples have, where, why do you believe that? What examples in your life have shown you that? Are you open to something different? Have you ever tried, you know, X, Y, Z? Well, if you haven't tried it, then how do you know that you won't heal quickly? And, and, you know, I, I think that yes, some things do just take time. I mean, I'm not going to go from where I am today to like, you know, Buddha state enlightened tomorrow. <laughs> um, but you, you see what I'm saying that, that healing trauma and, you know, moving through disturbances and kind of the day to day, um, things that keep us stuck, that does not have to take time. It can take one hour. Sure. <laughs> if you give me, if you give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe the answer then is if somebody is not feeling like they can actually heal fast, that it's kind of like what we were talking about before in the sense that if somebody says something and it kind of like, Oh, I don't think that's true. It kind of like hits you in a way that mm -hmm. that doesn't resonate with you. Maybe that's when you should lean in. So is, yeah. is it's yeah, I guess. It, yeah. And the other, other piece of that is, well, if they're saying that it's probably because they're too afraid to actually, uh, heal and look at, look at themselves and face themselves too. So uh, like you were saying, you know, it's just a reflection uh, of a trigger, something within them that is keeping them stuck um, yeah. themselves that either they're too scared of what it looks like to heal because they're just so familiar with what it means to just always be in the angst and the disturbance of it all. Because if this is all I know is this disturbed self, then who am I? If I am now better and healed, who am I? That's a scary thing to kind of face. So, you know, is it that? Is it um, that their emotions or their disturbance allows for control of other people? For example, that's very common. You know, oh, I'm, I get to be really reactive and that allows me to control my spouse. And that makes, keeps me in a position of, you know, perceived power and control. Um, so there's a lot of different reasons, but yeah, I, I, I think you, you nailed it right there. It might be just something within themselves. You know, this is actually an interesting transition to something I thought I, I wasn't planning on asking this, but it's interesting to talk about because as entrepreneurs, one of the things that we have to do is we have to put ourselves out in public. We have to create something. We have to create content. We have to lead people. And sometimes that comes with us leading that the, there's the haters that come, right? Like the comments or like the, the negative emails and stuff like that. And one of the things that I'm starting to realize more and more, it's like those people, just like we talked about before, it's like they're probably lashing out for reasons that have nothing to do with you, but are rather something that's going on in them. And I got an email, a really interesting email today that I was just looking at. It, I'm like, this just doesn't even make sense what you're saying. And it was definitely something I, now my approach is always to think about loving that person. Cause it's like yes. something's going on. So mm -hmm. To entrepreneurs that are just starting to publish content, maybe you get your first hate mail <laughs> or something like that. What would you say to somebody that starts seeing those come up in their world? Yeah, it's not about you. You said it right there, man. Like that's literally it. Um, don't take it personally. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. And anytime that something that someone says something to you 
that's maybe not in the nicest thing, or even when they say something nice, it's not about you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's a very hard kind of ego pride swallowing, you know, pill to really, to really swallow. Um, but honestly, there's so much freedom in that is when we take nothing personally, what both the bad and the good is really, it's just a projection of the other person, whatever they see in you, they see in themselves. So if they're sending you hate, you know, cause they think you, whatever you look dumb or something, well, they themselves think that they look right. dumb, right? If, if they see that you're, um, extremely compassionate and loving. And then they tell you that is because they see that within themselves. Mm. Yeah. That's really insightful. So, I mean, is it bad to maybe as like a, a rule of thumb when dealing with hate mail or any interaction with somebody to kind of almost put, it's like a heuristic that you can kind of place in your head that it's like, okay, if this is, you know, maybe we'll just say negative. If they gave you a negative comment, mm -hmm. to just look at that perspective from, it's like, okay, maybe they're going through this thing that they're trying to express. Is that something that you would kind of encourage people to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what it means to have empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Is to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, and like you said, love the other person. And compassion is just love, really, in its essence. So have compassion, have empathy. And, you know, is it worth your time to reply? Maybe if you can, if you can have, if you can respond in a way that makes the person question themselves. I would say you just did them a, a big service by doing that. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, another thing that I, I wanted to ask you that just came up for me as you were speaking is you and I had a really interesting conversation a while back about what money is. So mm -hmm. Huli, what is money? <laughs> In short, money is just love. And uh, when you think about it, so how I came to this answer is money is made up, right? It, currency is a social construct. We have a piece of paper that we say it make, it's valued at this many points. And I have this, you know, this ring, and I'm going to say that this is this many points. And we're all going to agree that that is what it is, right? So it's really, it's a construct, right? It's not really real. But what is money other than just how much you value something? Mm -hmm. Right. So I can say I have this ring and I value it. I, I love it. I've had it since I was 15. You know, it means a lot to me. It was given by so-and-so and, and I value it a lot, but you probably don't value it. And yet we put this number to it. That's not really real that why would we agree on that when I value it differently than you value it? And what is value other than, well, how much I love this ring. Mm -hmm. You know, you probably don't love it that much. You may, eh, and you might find someone who else who will really love it, but, but that's really what it comes down to. And so the reason I talk about this is because as entrepreneurs, we end up chasing money and I've fallen into this trap so many times and it never goes well. When I chase money, I fall flat on my face. When I chase love, or when I'm not even chasing love, when I'm giving love and when I'm moving in love, then the alignment happens. Cause that's where I know that the flow of life is, is really in love and in everything. So can we stop chasing money and start giving in love and moving in love and what are services other than here, I'm doing this for love. And yes, there is an exchange there, but there's an exchange of love, right? I'm saying, mm -hmm. I love this service. I love this product this much. And you're, you're saying, I'm giving this service in love. I'm giving this product in love to, in loving. Wow. I, I, that was such a profound realization for me when you share that with me. So I appreciate that. And I'm really glad we were able to share that with everybody because I think that it puts a whole new perspective on what we do as entrepreneurs is that we are really just redistributing love and, and it's funny because one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is rooftop marketing. There's so many marketers or entrepreneurs that like, I mean, it, it, let me, let me explain it this way. If you, if you listening to this right now 
if you're going to write a social media post, or mm-hmm. if you're going to write an email, it's so easy to like be a rooftop marketer and just shout the message and just say, I'm going to communicate with whoever's going to say this, but rather connecting and writing it for one specific person and, you know, and, and deeply connecting and understanding that we're really all people. And that's thing, something that I think is so relevant when it comes to distributing love is like, Think about not just in general, but re- the more specific you can get in your head about the value that this is creating for somebody, the more powerful that it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a beautiful example. And, you know, I'm going to just take it to the next level and say, when you're talking to that one person, you're also talking to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? If, you, if you really think of love as, as um, all-encompassing and, and really the way I, I view love is, is, is unity when you focus in on the one soul being person spirit whatever human you are also doing the entire world uh, the entire everything um giving in, in love to all as well yeah awesome well i'm i'm going to take a complete, complete 180 here. So this is going to, this is going to just come from left field, but I just really wanted to talk about this with you. Cause I've never talked about this with you before, but I saw this in your bio. So you were a trumpet player and an actor. Is that oh, yeah. correct? Yes, okay. this is very true. <laughs> so, 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 so how, I guess, just talk to me, talk to me about that. How, how does that, how did that get started? And maybe are there some ways that you're still leveraging your trumpet playing and acting skills and what you do today? <laughs> acting skills? Yes. Um, trumpet playing, not so much. Um, <laughs> you will probably not find me like at the Mexican restaurant in the <laughs> playing at your table. <laughs> Um, yeah, no music woke me up. Um, I started playing the trumpet when I was in the sixth grade. It was magical. I found music and I became obsessed and this impatient human over here standing, you know, in front of you, uh, just dove right in and I wanted to be the best and I wanted to do everything. And trumpet was my life and music was my life. And acting and theater and dance and the entire, all the fine arts. I, I was very, very ingrained that it was me and it still is. I'm very much a performer really at the end of the day. Like I am a performer. I am an artist. I fully own that now. I fully own my power in that. And that is the fullest expression of me. Um, I, yeah, I played all through middle school, high school and college. I actually, my degree is in music my Bachelor of Arts is in music. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, and entrepreneurship to me is an art, right? Like business is an art and my entire life is art. I'm just looking constantly for ways to express myself. And I, every entrepreneur, that's also what we're really trying to do. And we just find different ways to do that, whether that's through a canvas or music, or dance, or acting, or business, or, you know, creating a really beautiful spreadsheet. Like we are all creators and we're all just trying to, yeah. I mean, like some people (laughs) really, yeah. Some people like that is like, there's an art to that or like synthesizing data in a way that's digestible. Like that's an art, right? Like I just see art everywhere. And if you can see yourself as an artist, if you can see yourself as a creator and really like what, what art is, is, is expression of ourselves and Mm -hmm. how we interpret and how we view the world and entrepreneurship is no different. So that's why I love working with, um, entrepreneurs is because I get to see other people's art and I get to see them express their fullest selves through business and through really helping others, right. And in, in the services and the products that we deliver. Yeah. I mean, I, I view entrepreneurship as my art. Mm-hmm. I view marketing as my art. And yes. I, I think that when you, when you are passionate about something and you're in alignment with a business that allows you to create the art, even if it's, you know, art in quotes, even if it's not Mm -hmm. considered art to some people that that's really powerful when you're able to be in a position where you can just create something that, that makes you feel, um, empowered, Mm -hmm. uh, actually transitioning into entrepreneurship, this kind of came up with me. So a funny story, actually, I want to tell the story about how I met you, Huli, if that's okay. Yeah, um, go for so, it. so really funny. And then we'll, t- we'll dive into a little bit about entrepreneurship and we can kind of ask a few other things. But so I was working with Jonathan Levy 
And Jonathan got into Genius Network, uh, which is a super high-level mastermind. It costs $25,000 a year to attend. You need to be making at least seven figures to be in this group. And so I joined with Jonathan, uh, and they initiated a challenge for Genius Network members to initiate some marketing strategy that they taught. And we ended up winning this challenge for the company and we got an extra ticket for Genius Network. So like we could, we could add some, bring somebody to the Genius Network annual event. Um, and so we were like, what should we do with this ticket? And so what we did is we actually hosted a contest within Jonathan's company, Superhuman Academy, for somebody that could create a, a business. I forget the actual logistics of the challenge, but Huli won that challenge. And so, so that's how I met Huli because Huli came into Genius Network as a guest and then she just went full out. If you haven't noticed uh, Julie's pa- or Huli's pattern, here about just diving right into things. She just went from being a Genius Network attendee to uh, coming back the next year and then becoming a member of Genius Network and creating all this other stuff. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the healing and all that component, which I think is absolutely incredibly important about what you do, but you're also an entrepreneur that just dives into things. So what, what was it that, I mean, maybe it'd be interesting to just talk about that, that moment when you started to join Genius Network and you just decided to go all in with Unbreakable Moms. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, shit, man, you make me sound like (laughs) super awesome and I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but see, you're just saying that because you see that in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just an egotistical. (laughs) No, no, no. You just, you, you see that in yourself and that's a beautiful thing to see. But anyway, um, I'm just playing around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbreakable moms was like my first go at business ever. Like I had just graduated residency. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And it was only because of that, um, that competition that Jonathan put on that you guys did that really made me go, okay, yeah, let me try and do this whole business thing. I don't know what I'm doing, but let's go for it. So I got that ticket for a genius network. I stood up in front of everybody and I was like, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to join. And I don't care if I'm broke, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm going to do it. And I literally got back from genius network and I took a screenshot this was two years ago. Um, it was November 5th. I remember because I was saying, oh, remember, remember the 5th of November. And I took a screenshot of my bank account, which had $87 in it. Uh, and that was like all I had. And plus, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in student loans, uh, living with my parents, you know, just, yeah, just <laughs> not a good, like I was good in an emotional place, but yeah, financially not really quote unquote successful just yet. And, um, yeah, I, I grew at breakable moms. I had some success with that. It wasn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't really my, my, where I, I wanted to, to be uh, operating in the world. And so I think I wasn't quite in alignment doing that, even though I'm still really passionate about that work. Um, but I, it was just a journey in the next, I guess, year of discovering what it is my calling is and, um, you know, starting my medical practice and then now more into the mind body work. And honestly, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like when you're in alignment with what you're supposed to do, you just fly. And yes, I do go into things and just kind of dive right in and, you know, wrecking ball through all of it. But also I know for a fact, I feel it within my bones that because I stepped into what is truly me, that that is where my success has come from. So I went from, you know, not even being able to work for an hour doing Western medicine to, you know, selling coaching packages and and healing packages for tens of thousands of dollars and coming back to genius network and yeah, signing, signing up that year. And I just said, all right, here I am. (laughs) I did it like welcome. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a, it sounds, I don't know. It's weird to reflect on this story because I just, I still feel like I'm this person that is figuring life out and figuring business out and just, I'm still human. Like I'm not this like amazing, just fantastic, you know, superwoman. Like I'm still, I'm still me. I still have my problems. I still have my issues. I still, you know, deal with shit just like the rest of us. So yeah, it's kind of hard to just put myself in that like 
pedestal. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? That's the funny thing is what I've realized, and maybe you can comment on this, is that even at the highest levels of entrepreneurs, people that have built hundred million dollar companies to, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely insane levels of success, they still have these thoughts. It's, it of does course. not go away. Mm-hmm. It's not something mm-hmm. that is ever going to be cured. It doesn't matter what level of, of success you have or level of money you have in your bank account. It's like, it's just part of the human experience. And it's kind of crazy because you can look at somebody that has a hundred million dollar, your company, it's just like, wow, how do you feel that way? <laughs> but, yeah. but it, it is true that we, that, that until we work on ourselves, like we're at the end of the day, we're all just humans. We're all just human. And that's why I have to kind of bring myself down in a sense. Like, it's not that I don't have the confidence. Like I'm actually kind of on the opposite end. Like I'm probably on the little ego side, but I, I, I consciously am bringing myself down and saying like, yeah, I did all these things, but also, but also I have all these issues through work through because one, I do it for myself and the other, I do it for whoever's listening, whoever's watching, because like we put each other on pedestals and we think, oh, this person's so amazing. And like, we're just human. Like you said it, we're all human and we still have these, as much awareness as we have, we still have the human experience and all the emotion and all the baggage and all the traumas and all the shit that it comes with to just live this life. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I do want to ask you just one more big question then we can kind of start wrapping things up because this has been so much fun. But the, 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 the big thing that I wanted to make sure I cover with you is you are one of the best listeners that I've ever met. And so I wanted to maybe talk about why listening is so important. And for those of us listening, the listeners that are listening about listening, (laughs) how can we get better at listening? Yeah. Thank you for the compliment. Um, Let me reflect on that for a moment. Why is listening so important? Because we're just making everything about ourselves all the time. When we listen, we're not making it about ourselves. We can't. If you're really truly listening, you you are not think you cannot have thoughts about you. If you're really truly listening, you are focused on the other person and you are understanding what it means to be someone else and to have a different different perspective and to get outside of the ego of this self that we perceive that we are all that is. And in a sense, like if you get to the spiritual stuff, like, yes, that's true, but also we are everyone else too. And so in listening, you discover others and in discovering others, you also discover yourself. Mm. Wow. Very beautifully said. So when it comes to us being able to maybe improve on being better listeners, is there any anything that you do as, as a listener or is it just so natural that <laughs> it's hard it's for you? It's not natural. It? Yeah, no, it's not natural. It's a skill that I've developed uh, over time. And the first thing was just to have awareness of it. Someone said like, hey, this is how you listen. And I said, okay, cool. You were silent and you're still. And you listen without formulating a response. Mm. Like imagine, or just next time you're in a conversation, just don't think of what you're going to say because it's not about you if you're really listening. And so I, I even have like, in my session, sometimes I take a long time to respond because I'm listening so intently mm. and so deeply that I'm not formulating the response as you're talking. And so once you finish talking, then I let it all sit. I go, hmm, okay. He said that, 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 and that. Let me process it in my mind. And now I can respond. Um, so yeah, don't, don't try to respond. Just listen. Wow. That's some, some stuff I'm going to have to work on as a podcaster. Cause I'm sitting here trying to think, you know, like how, how can I relay this and inter- integrate it? But that's so powerful. It's an interesting next level thing for me to think about is like, how can you not even worry about what's going to come out of your mouth next and really just be present, give it a pause. And that's another thing I need to work on is like, I speak really fast, <laughs> but it's like, if I could just listen, be quiet, and then really just allow myself to formulate the question that is really the most relevant. I think it'll probably lead to more deeper conversations anyways. 
I think so too. And you know, I'm still learning myself because at the beginning of this podcast, you know, I was trying to formulate the answer and I was trying to think about what I was going to (laughs) say instead of just being present and being in the flow and, uh, and just allowing and just being so yeah. Good reminders. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Huli, where can find, well, I guess, let me ask this first. So um, if people could kind of put like a, if you could put a bumper sticker on this conversation, or if somebody were wanted to just, if you really wanted to drive home one message for people to take away, what would that be? Mm, I'm going to go a little cheesy. I'm going to say, feel your feelers. <laughs> <laughs> feel your feelings or feel I your I just feel- imagine like an anteater. Yeah. Like <laughs> something or like an ant on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. Feel your feelers. Um, this is so important because when we allow ourselves to feel, when we stop making ourselves wrong, then we can accept who we are. And then that acceptance is also a choice to be whatever, whatever we want and express ourselves in the fullest way that we choose. Awesome. So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And where can people find out more about what you're working on right now? Or yeah, I guess, where can people find out more about what you're working on? Yeah, you can check out my uh, personal brand site at huliemd.com. That's J-U-L-I-M-D.com. Or for more of the Velocity Healing, if you'd like to set up a consult with me or just get some cool materials, go to Velocity Healing, just like it sounds, .co. So velocityhealing.co or huliemd.com. Yeah, that's awesome. And I encourage everybody to check that out because I have worked with Huli and she is absolutely incredible. So anybody that has the opportunity to connect with her absolutely should. So thank you, Huli, so much for coming on. This has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Thank you for all the work that you do and for spreading the love in the world. And thank you for being a dear, dear friend and and sharing your message with the world and all these listeners at the Seven Figure Millennials podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.